Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. Yesterday marked the one-year anniversary of what Nancy Pelosi would say was just people doing what they will do at the Capitol building in Washington, D.C. <laughs> Most all of you have heard about it and remember the coverage of it. Many of you have seen it uh, commemorated like a national holiday by the major media all week. Now, a year later, what do we know about what really happened and is what, what is happening today in regards to the event? Let me start out by clarifying one thing. I do not condone any violence or destruction that happened. What was done over a year ago served no constructive purpose. So with that said, what set up the storming of the Capitol building? After the election in November, at least three key swing states were found to have an illegal election. If you want to change the election laws of your state, you have to do it through the legislature. Under the guise of COVID, many states changed the way that they did things in their elections without changing the law. This set up many instances of voter fraud. Some of these these instances have been documented right here on this very podcast. Many people were frustrated that it changed the, the presidential election, and they wanted to rally on the day that Congress was to certify the election to show their displeasure. Now, two days before Congress was set to formalize President-elect Joe Biden's victory, Capitol Police Chief Stephen Sudd was growing increasingly worried about the size of the pro-Trump crowds expected to stream into Washington in protest. This was uh, this this protest was set up weeks ahead of time, and, and Trump was calling for people to come to Washington, D.C. To be on the safe side, Sud asked House and Senate security uh, officials for permission to request that the D.C. National Guard be placed on standby in case he needed quick backup. But Sud said uh, in, in an interview, they turned him down. Donald Trump said that Sunday that he requested 10,000 National Guard troops deploy to Washington, D.C. before the January 6th uh, incident, after realizing his rally would be larger than he even anticipated. But he says that the request was rejected by congressional leaders. President Trump has been accused by the major media and and just about any liberal you can find um, that, and, and literally he was impeached over it, um, in, in the fact that they thought he incited in his insurrection, but here is what he said. Here is the actual transcript. Now it is up to Congress to confront this egregious assault on our democracy. And after this, we're going to walk down and I'll be there with you. And we're going to walk down and we're going to walk down. Anyone you want, but I think right here, we're going to walk down to the Capitol and we're going to cheer 
on our brave senators and congressmen and women, and we're probably not going to be cheering so much for some of them because you'll never take back our country with weakness. You have to show strength and you have to be strong. We have to come to demand that Congress do the right thing and only count the electors who have been lawfully slated. Lawfully slated. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. There is nothing in that speech that I just read that incited any insurrection of any kind. I dare you to find it in the speech. I've read the whole thing a number of times. There's nothing there. Now, was this really then an insurrection? Well, msn.com says this. It says the Cambridge Dictionary defines insurrection as, quote, an organized attempt by a group of people to defeat their government and take control of their country, usually by violence, unquote. By that definition, there was no insurrection at the United States Capitol on January 6th. And that was even according to the FBI. Reuters reports this. It says the FBI has found scant evidence that the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol was the result of an organized plot to overturn the presidential election result, according to a, a four current and four, former law enforcement officials. 90 to 95 percent, this is a quote, n- quote, 90 to 95 percent of these are one-off cases, unquote. And this was said by a former senior law enforcement official with knowledge of the investigation. Quote, then you have about 5%, maybe, of these militia groups that were more closely organized. But there was no grand scheme with Roger Stone or Alex Jones and all of these people to storm the Capitol and take hostages, unquote. This report is a devastating blow to President Joe Biden and the Democrats, who have attempted to make the existence of an uh, insurrection on January 6th a key issue in the 2022 midterm elections. Reuters does note that some cells of protesters did um, coordinate to, to break into the Capitol, but the FBI found no evidence, this is a quote, no evidence that the groups had serious plans about what to do if they made it inside, unquote. So, What led up to the storming at the Capitol? Well, Star Parker at 10ztalk.com said this, said the incident on January 6th was just the latest in many such instances. I am not the first to point out that exactly the same behavior was rampant across the country in years prior to January 6th, 2021 perpetuated by Black Lives Matter and other progressive groups and justified by the same leaders of the Democratic Party that are now driving the January 6th witch hunt. In July of 2020, a mob toppled a statue of Christopher Columbus in Baltimore and threw it into Baltimore's inner harbor. When asked about this, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who is from Baltimore, responded, quote, people will do what they will do, unquote. The reporters prodded Pelosi 
to condemn the mob action, but she refused. And the mob behavior, behavior and mentality on display on January 6th were already getting rooted in our country and justified and encouraged by political leaders in the Democratic Party. Suspicions about improprieties in the electoral process in 2020, which led up to the January 6th incident, were and are quite justified given the closeness of the election, coupled with the track record of dishonest behavior by the Democratic Party. Behind the first impeachment of President Trump was grossly improper and illegal behavior in which the so-called Steele dossier fabricated evidence of the, the Trump campaign conspiring with Russia. So if you don't know, the Steele dossier was a made-up thing that was paid for by the Hillary campaign, and it was used to try to... Um, show that that Trump was conspiring with Russia, which, of course, he wasn't. And which all of this amounted to the FBI working with the Democratic Party to undermine a Republican president. Now, where is the investigation of this grotesque incident? No, everything is just quiet. And there were other factors at play. From justthenews.com, over 700 rioters charged by the DOJ, and the DOJ won't say if feds were involved. And this is kind of interesting. How many January 6th protesters were actually working for the federal government? Republican Thomas Massey tweeted on Thursday this very question. A year after the January 6th Capitol riot, the Justice Department has charged more than 700 people in connection with the incident while refusing to answer questions regarding whether or not federal agents were involved in inciting it. At least 600 of those charges were misdemeanors for, for entering and re- remaining within restricted capital grounds. Also, offenses... Um, punishable by a a maximum of one year in prison and a $100,000 fine. And this is from CBS News as they report it. Other minor charges, including illegal picketing and disorderly or disruptive conduct on Capitol grounds, which hundreds of defendants have been charged with. One of the more common felony offenses charged is uh, corruptly obstructing influencing or impeding or attempting to the official proceedings of certifying electoral college votes. About 275 defendants are accused of acting in ways that impede or obstruct the normal function of government, which carries a 20-year maximum prison sentence. A minimum of 225 defendants have received charges of assaulting, impeding, or resisting law enforcement during the riot, 75 of whom are also accused of using a dangerous or deadly weapon against officers, such as flagpoles, chemical irritants, and even a, a tomahawk axe. About 45 defendants were charged with the um, destruction of government property, and during proceedings, for at least three of them, the government said their crimes on uh, um, on the grounds of capital uh, of the capital amounted to terrorism, an allegation made without any actual charge of terrorism. So they said these guys amounted to terrorism, but they wouldn't charge them with it. 
more than 40 defendants were charged as being part of a broader conspiracy, including nearly 20 uh, Oath Keepers, about a dozen uh, Proud Boy members or affiliates, and four alleged 3, uh, 3% militia members. I'm not familiar with that particular one. At least 30 defendants have been charged with theft of government property, including uh, Riley June Williams, who allegedly stole a laptop from the uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's office. Williams has pled not guilty and requested multiple times to have some of the uh, charges thrown out. Now, approximately 10 defendants have been charged with assaulting a media member or destroying their equipment during the, the January 6th coverage. No one has been charged with sedition, which is interesting, which is attempting to overthrow the government. In March, FBI Director Christopher Wray called the Capitol riot domestic terrorism. That same month, then-acting U.S. Attorney Michael uh, Sherwin told 60 Minutes he believed the facts do support the charge of sedition. Sherwin has since left both the investigation and the U.S. Attorney's Office. More than 160 defendants have pleaded guilty, of whom over 85% admitted to nonviolent misdemeanor crimes. That's according to CBS News. At, at least 70 defendants who pled guilty have been sentenced. The longest sentence so far has been 63 months for the 54-year-old Robert Palmer, who admitted to attacking police officers with a fire extinguisher. The Capitol uh, suffered more than a million dollars in damages and about 140 law enforcement members, uh, 80 U.S. Capitol police officers, 60 D.C. Metropolitan Police officers were allegedly assaulted. Now, only one person died on January 6th, and that was Ashley Babbitt, who was shot by a, a Capitol police officer inside the Capitol building. They will not identify who that officer is. All other deaths that Joe Biden and others are you know, trying to tie to January 6th just don't hold water, including the Capitol Police officer, Brian Sicknick, who medical officers concluded died from two strokes. Even as the investigation has uh, stretched on for the past year, the Department of Justice has yet to answer whether or not federal agents were involved in it. During a House Judiciary Committee hearing in October, Representative Thomas Massey, he's a Republican from Kentucky, showed a video uh, compilation of Ray Epps, and that's spelled E-P-P-S, Ray Epps, uh, an apparent Trump supporter just because he had a, a, a mega hat on, uh, who tells people on both January 5th and 6th to, quote, go to the Capitol, unquote, when he suggests this on the night of January 5th, people start chanting, Fed, 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 as if they know he's a federal government worker. As they suspected that, you know, he, 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 was, this, he was maybe even like uh, FBI or, or something along those lines. Epps has not faced charges for any role he might have played in inciting the breach, even though he was trying to do so. So we have over 700 people that have been charged, and he has not. After playing the video, Massey asked Attorney General Merrick Garland during the committee hearing if there were any federal agents or 
assets of the federal government at the January 6th Capitol riot. Now, Garland said that he couldn't comment on an ongoing investigation. (laughs) Shocker, right? He said, quote, Attorney General Merrick Garland can absolutely answer questions about whether feds encouraged the January 6th crowd to breach the Capitol. And this was Massey, and this is what he tweeted. On Thursday, Massey tweeted the video compilation of Epps that he had shown during the committee hearing. In addition to the articles from uh, Revolver about Epps asking, quote, how many January 6th protesters were actually working for the federal government, uh, in a in a brief interview with the Arizona Republic last year, shortly after the, the Capitol breach, Epps reportedly confirmed that he had been at the Capitol for the event, but he said that 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 he was advised by his attorney not to speak about his role there. Now, there were also Antifa in the crowd. Many videos of the front of the building show Antifa uh, instigating the and, and breaking through the windows. Many of the protesters there actually call for them to stop it, and they tried to pull them away from doing that. In fact, from an article from Zachary Stiber of the Epoch Times, uh, and this is from January 14th, so, so just right after it, it had all happened, uh, they report that the Black Lives Matter activist who was seen storming the U.S. Capitol on January 6th was arrested and charged. And you would think that's a good thing, right? A newly released court filings says that John Earl Sullivan, 26, told FBI agents that he was at the Capitol when the breach happened. He said he entered through a window that he had broken out. And he was. He also said that he was present when Ashley Babbitt, an Air, Air Force veteran, was shot to death at the U.S. Capitol Police Officer, uh, uh, U.S. Uh, Capitol Police Officer, as she tried to climb through the window. Uh, this, this, there was a small window next to a door, um, and the house that it was going to the House Speaker's lobby. Um, Sullivan showed agents some of of the footage that he had captured inside the building, which he and others entered illegally. Videos showed Sullivan and others breaking through a barricade with the Utah man uh, shouting, this, this is what he said, there are so many people, let's go. This blank is ours. Blank, yeah. We accomplished this blank. We did this together. Blank, yeah. We are all a part of history. Let's burn this blank down. That's what he said. Minus the expletives, right? He was later heard encouraging protesters to climb a wall to get to an entrance to the Capitol and was seen entering the building. During one conversation with others while inside, Sullivan said, quote, we got to get this blank burned. At another, at, at other times, he, he said, among other things, it's our house, blank, and we are getting this blank. Sullivan told U.S. Capitol Police officers to stand down so that they wouldn't get hurt, he said. This was according to court filings. He joined the the crowd trying to open doors to another part of the Capitol, telling people, hey guys, I have a knife, and asking them to let him get to the front. He did not make it to the doors, and he later tried to get the officers guarding the speaker's lobby to go home, telling them, bro, I've got, I've, I've seen people out there get hurt. He told the Epoch Times that 
he took steps to blend in with the crowds so that he didn't get beat up. He said that he's that he is known in the activist community as being a member of the far left uh, anarcho-communist group Antifa, and he denied being a member of the network. He told the Epoch Times he knew of plans to storm the Capitol and that he saw them as uh, he saw these these messages on the um, underground chats and things like that. He said he posted information about the plans on social media but didn't inform law enforcement. He said, I'm not a snitch. Now, Sullivan has posted in support of Black Lives Matter, and he leads a group called Insurgents USA, which says that it was founded in the wake of the death of George Floyd, a black man in police custody in, in Minneapolis. Quote, the lack of care for the, for the human life was unacceptable, so we set out to end police brutality. We then set out to empower and uplifting black and indigenous voices, unquote. And this is a quote from the group's website. Sullivan was charged with writing and criminal mischief in, in Provo, Utah, based on his activities around the protest last year in which a person was shot and injured. Now, Sullivan was charged and let out of jail where he made several media appearances, including one on CNN. And he also made more than $90,000 by selling footage from inside the Capitol. But unlike Sullivan, many people are held as prisoners even a year later. WUSA9.com reported that almost 40 prisoners are still detained from what took place at the Capitol on January 6th. Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's the... The uh, the congresswoman uh, from Georgia, Republican con- congresswoman from Georgia, was given access to the facility where they are being held. Now, DennisMichaelLynch.com reports uh, reported on November fourth of last year that that uh, Repres- Representative Green announced in a series of Twitter posts that she was finally allowed to visit. The, the people being held in a Washington, D.C. jail over their participation in the January 6th riot at the Capitol. Now, Green's Twitter posts gave a brief outline of the jail visit, but she said that she will be releasing more details in a report soon, and we'll look forward to that. She also shared a, uh, a photo of what they call J6, so January 6th inmates singing the national anthem, which she said, they do every night. Here, here's Green's comments about the jail visit. Number one, this, this is one of the tweets, first tweet. Last night, we toured the D.C. jail. My staff and I were writing a full report this morning on our three-plus-hour-long tour. I've never seen human suffering like I witnessed last night. While some were shown uh, to us in seemingly beneficial programs, others were in torturous lockdown. Some inmates, and this is from a second tweet, some inmates were receiving continuing education classes. Others were truly suffering from long uh, stays in solitary confinement for, quote, bad behavior, unquote. I'll never forget hearing their screams. This was in a different part of the jail, not the J6 part. Being alone surely is hell. Uh, Tweet number three said at at what seems the end of our tour, as we were being led toward the exit, we 
had not seen the J6 defendants yet. And I asked to see them and I was told that it was not part of my tour. I demanded to see them and would have gone scorched earth if I had not been allowed and was making it known. And uh, tweet number four, phone calls were made and permission was given. (laughs) We then were taken to another section of the jail and entered the Patriot Wing. I was greeted by men with overwhelming cheers who rushed out to meet me with tears streaming down their faces. They have left forgotten and homeless. And that's how they felt. Number five uh, tweet, it says, it was like walking into a prison uh, war camp and seeing men who whose eyes can't believe someone uh, ha- someone has made it to see them. They are suffering greatly virtually no medical care, very poor food quality, and putting put through re-education, which most of them are rejecting. And uh, tweet number six, I am committed to ending this political war and seeing that our justice system is never used against Americans as a political weapon ever again. Every night at 9 p.m., J6 defendants sing the national anthem at the D.C. jail, and we were there tonight. You know, and and I I think that Ben Shapiro from the Daily Wire sums it up very well when he says, now you might ask yourself just why January 6th merits such outsized attention. One need not downplay the events, the horrifying images of rioters bashing police officers with metal poles, storming through the halls of Congress, shouting for Mike Pence in order to recognize January 6th for what it was, an ugly, but not pivotal moment in American history. That event resulted in one direct death. Rider Ashley Babbitt was shot by a Capitol Police officer and some $1.5 million in property damage to the Capitol building. The Capitol was cleared within hours of the riot, and Vice President Mike Pence and Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell promptly presided over the certification of the 2020 election. Those who broke into the Capitol, or even trespassed, have ended up in jail. Meanwhile, by contrast, the Black Lives Matter riots of 2020 resulted in some $2 billion in insured property damage, and likely billions more in uninsured property damage. Two dozen people died, and the result of political movement against the police led to an unprecedented nationwide spike in in homicides, in major cities. To date, there were there have been no commemorations from CNN, speeches from Biden or Harris, or a day honoring the police officers who held rioters in check. Democrats can can read the writing on the wall. They know that November 2020 uh, 2022 cometh, and they hope that if they invoke the specter of January 6th repeatedly, Americans will shrug and allow them to usurp authority to violate rules and rewrite voting procedures. It won't work, but it should reveal to Americans just who Democrats are and how little they actually care about January 6th in the first place. And this, my friends, is is just a distraction. I'm going to say it here. It's just a distraction. It was possibly a set-up distraction, but as a distraction nonetheless. A trap 
was said, and, and willing people went along. What they did was unacceptable and unproductive. What is being done now is just as unacceptable and unproductive. We need to find out everything and have full transparency. We need to have justice for everyone involved. We need to not let the left use this to distract the nation. And that's just simply what it is. It is a political football being used to distract you from what you really need to be paying attention to. And and I, th- I think the 2022 midterms are going to really prove out to, to be uh, something that that uh, the Democrats are going to absolutely hate. Uh, I, th- I think that the 2022 uh, midterms are going to uh, really be a landslide for conservatism. I think people are waking up. I think they're getting motivated, and I think they're seeing past these type of distractions. Um, you know, with it, this this type of thing, it was ugly, and we don't want to see it happen again. It wasn't all conservative Republicans or whatever involved. Obviously, we've documented that here. But it wasn't something that we want to see again. But it's also not something that should be a distraction against what we need to be paying attention to. And you may agree with me on this. You may disagree. Would love to hear from you on it. And you can always do that at UncommonSensePodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.